Have you been looking for a podcast with transparent conversation, no room for debates? I couldn't find one, so I started my own. I'm Frank Byers, and this is Cycle Breaking. It's gonna take more than the wind to knock me down. Then a little rain to steal my smile. More than this heat to take my guys, thank you so much for joining me for today's podcast. I want to make it very clear. If you're a first-time listener, thank you for joining. However, it is important that you understand the heart behind cycle breaking, or you're going to think this guy is biased and crazy. I may be crazy, but I am not biased, or at least I desire not to be. Um, But it's important for you to join the conversation. So Cycle Breaking is a group on Facebook that you can join. It's where we get to have healthy conversations over debates. Uh, And today's topic is coming from a poll that I posted in that group, basically asking, why do some white people not care to acknowledge racism? It's a big undertaking, but I think I'm up for it. I say that because it really just boils down to me looking at situations that I've been in, conversations that I've had, and my own personal journey with other white brothers and sisters um, that I've been blessed to have conversation with or just watch from afar. So there's three different people that I, I, I personally have narrowed it down to three different approaches for that understanding of why a white individual would not want to or finds it hard to acknowledge racism the first one is out of sight out of mind Uh, to me that's the person who lives in a community that is predominantly white or they may not have any diversity at all and so for them the conversation of racism falls in history books or um, what they see on the media and depending on the climate that we're living in and what the media is, is feeding they do not believe that racism even still exists because it's in the past and it's not there in front of them. I know for me, I struggle with out of sight, out of mind for a lot of things. Um, I believe this individual is someone who needs grace from the space of they may speak up in times like what the climate is hap- is is feeding us right now, and it can seem so out of place or so um, detached from reality because the truth is it's not their reality. Um, but especially for a a person who's vocal in their beliefs or just period, that's their personality. They may say things that actually can create more tension because they're, they're going to be very, very much in tune with their reality and not the reality of others. Asking them to acknowledge something that they believe doesn't exist can make them think you're crazy and make you think they're crazy. Um, That has been the real in my reality (laughs) that I have been having uh, with a lot of different people from different places. And uh, a lot of people say, well, I'm from the North and it's different there, or I'm not from the South. And I'll be very transparent and real. I think that also has become more of a community base. You really can't say this day and age that you're from the North and the South and you haven't seen racism. I think you have to say whatever community you live in and and what's in front of you, that really will determine if you have seen it or experienced it or not. Because I know I've been in the North and I've experienced racism. I have friends there and have had conversations with people who live in different parts of the country and they experience it. So I think that first group of, of people is the out of sight, out of mind. They just don't see it. 
because of the community in which they live in. The second group of people I would think um, is the the collective group of individuals who say, hey, I had a hard life growing up. We struggled. I was poor. I was made fun of. I was mistreated. My parents didn't have as much money as, you know, the list goes on and on. And so in their minds, they look at individuals and they say, especially in the uh, black community, if you really wanted success, you would bust your butt and try harder. And so their understanding of racism is a cop out. It's a scapegoat. It's an excuse to be lazy and not to try because look at what I've been through and look at how hard I've worked. And for you to think that I owe you an apology or for you to think that um, you deserve more than me just because of the color of your skin. Well, guess what? I had a hard life, too. And what about the color of my skin? That person um, is walking in their truth. And I think a lot of times it is really hard to have a healthy conversation without knowing their story and understanding where they're coming from. I've mentioned this in one of the YouTube videos and uh, videos I post on Facebook about why uh, uh, all lives matter and the white community pressing in on that um, and then black lives matter and what that looks like. And, and because of the movement, it's created this tension of having that conversation. But if you take the movement out and then you look at the conversation, what, what was laid on my heart is that if someone is saying all lives matter, um, in a rebuttal towards you for saying black lives matter, what they're saying is I'm not black and my life matters and I'm hurting. And for you to be reaching out and speaking up for a community that in their eyes, especially if you're a white person in their eyes, you, you don't speak up for me and I'm close to you. I'm a sibling or I'm your neighbor or I'm a friend. We've been through life together. You know, I'm struggling. I don't see you posting and fighting for me, then it hurts. Um, and then you find yourself trying to then educate them and say, Hey, but do you not realize how bad this is and what's going on for the people of color and for the black community? Um, but then that only pushes the knife in more because they're thinking, did you not hear what I said? I'm hurting. But the reality is they didn't say they were hurting. They just, um, gave pushback on why they believe that all lives matter. When we understand the stance of a person's heart, we are able to, I believe, give them grace and in time, give them truth. And the truth may be, in some cases, just walking away and allowing them to process things for themselves or shooting them straight and just saying, hey, I understand you're hurting. Let's have that conversation. And then we need to continue to have the conversation about why it is important to say that black lives matter. You have to gauge that, though, based on the relationship. Um, if you don't have a healthy relationship with someone and what I mean by healthy is an intentional, uh, true, authentic relationship, then is it worth your time to go on and on with them about what you believe or what you think? It may not be because if you're only in their lives for that one conversation, are you really going to bring about life changing understanding? Um, that's the tension that we're seeing now with racism in the, in the nation and in the world is understanding why some people see it as a handout to help the black community or people of color. And, and then others are like, it's not a handout. They've been oppressed. This is this has been wrong for years. We need to do something about it. But then if you don't know where someone's coming from, you're not going to have a healthy conversation. It's going to be a debate, which then turns into 
It's the political push. It's media, all these excuses that are very frustrating, I will say, because I believe the uh, the media does what they want to do. And guess what? The media has been doing it for years, so we can't blame them now. Um, I believe that both political leading parties are broken and they have humans in them. So therefore they're going to have flaws, but I also know my story and that's my heart's desire is for us to get to know individuals beyond a clip and a post online, because when you know someone and you can humanize them, then you get to understand what really matters and the value that they bring. And then your heart really breaks for them. And instead of just doing a quick fix, you desire to really see healing and you desire to see freedom and encouragement and it's a journey and you sign up for it for the long haul because in the end, if we really want to see change, then of course we want it to be a true change and not a seasonal quick fix until something else happens again. So that second individual, I believe, is a person who is saying, if you laid every journey out for the black community that you want me to acknowledge as a struggle, and then you look at my life and I'm a white male or white female, guess what? It is 100% the same. So then the question is, how do I get them to understand that it's not, if I really think it's not? A lot of times, leading someone to a conviction is not our job. It's not what we can do. Their heart has to break for a situation. But also, if they're only been fed by clips and posts and different things, um, it will be hard for them to see the weight of it and for them to be able to compare the slight difference differences that really are real and true for people of color in our nation. Um, so then how do you show them that? It's real stories conversations with real people that you can say, hey, let's look at this person who doesn't have a criminal record. So we can't use that as a distraction, um, who does bust their butt, who does work hard, who who all the things that typically are used, they obey the law, all the things that are used to distract from accepting reality. Let's look at this person. Let's talk about this person. And this is a friend of mine who I did not know, but I've gotten to know and their story, and hear a few more stories. I think the more we hear stories that make it um, within our own sphere of influence in our neighbor, neighborhood, in our community, it, it humanizes the hate, it humanizes the hurt. And as long as we um, count on outside sources to tell us a, a person's story and their truth, we will not be able to have an impact or we will not be able to love this situation well. So that's my encouragement for you for that second person. So that first person was out of sight, out of mind. The second person, hey, hey, I have struggled as well through life. And um, yeah, I didn't get a pity party. I'm not giving them a pity party. Um, I believe that the third person actually is more... Um, more of the majority, I think, out of the three for the relationships that I have had in my life. And I'll share a personal one. That third person is, if I accept that racism is real, then I have to have a lot of conversations and face a lot of fears. Um, growing up in college, I grew up in the South, and I, Lord knows I've seen a lot. <laughs> I've experienced a lot. But growing up in college, I had a friend who was from a northern part of Arkansas, and um, he's actually has passed on now. Um, 
but we were um, working together at the university and we just became great friends. And one day I'll never forget, we were in the office and he randomly just said, man, you know, I was raised to not like black people and it hurts me because when my parents come down for family day, I want them to meet you. I want them to meet all my friends that I made that look nothing like me that have, um, that has been instilled in me that I should not like, I should not be around. I'm greater than them. He went on and on to express this. Um, but it, the biggest fear that he had was now that he knows everything that he was taught was not true when it came to black people. Um, how does he have that conversation with his parents? The people who love him, um, in most cases for some, and especially for, for my friend, the people who led him to the Lord, um, the people who um, have supported him, who celebrate him. I mean, it's his family, the people who've taught him everything he knows. So then you have to step back and think. Now they have to not only figure out how to have this conversation, but the topic alone could bring great separation. When you think about a simple conversation can be so divisive with your family, that's a scary place to be. I can recall sitting in that conversation with him and understanding what he was processing and going through, but the conviction that he had was so amazing to say at the end of the day, if I really love my parents, then it's worth the conversation though. I learned so much about grace and truth from him in that moment. And it, it's crazy years now, almost 15 more years later, how real that still sits. And, you know, I've been able to see the same type of tension within the walls of church and communities of people who grow up a certain uh, denomination and what baptism looks like for the, for that denomination and then when they get older they are taught baptism in a, in a different sense and a different understanding and so they struggle with this if I get baptized my parents feel disrespected because I decided that I really didn't make the choice or whatever conclusion they came to and I've, I've sat through conversations and helped uh, friends navigate that with their families because there was the reality their parents were like how dare you after all we've done for you and loved you, how dare you tell us that basically we were wrong on, on something we are so, um, we believe firmly and you've already been baptized. So how dare you do this again? What do you say? And that is like the most disrespectful thing, um, especially for those of a, of a, a faith belief that we are to honor our parents, you know, so that that white individual finds themselves completely saying, I am about to wreck my world for the sake of why? Uh, I don't think it's worth it. And the truth is they probably know their own family tension. So they're like, this just adds more to it. Giving them grace um, is important. And it, it helps. I think it helps us all to better understand, again, as I said in the beginning, how to approach each individual person. Uh, doesn't mean that there are there aren't three different or four different or six different people, but I've listed off three in this short conversation, just about three people that I have encountered um, as a majority and three different approaches or hearts for a white individual who just 
can't find themselves coming to the place to acknowledge racism and why. Um, I will say this, that I also believe that relationships are key. If you'll notice in every one of those scenarios and inside of every one of those individuals, relationship is key. Intentional relationship is key. You can't change someone's heart without knowing their story or or you can't lead them someplace that they're going to trust your heart without them knowing your story and knowing you and, and the purpose of doing it. And as time goes on and as um, technology in, in advances and we have things at our fingertips, that's typically where we stop at our fingertips until we need something, until we're hurting. Then we want to go deeper. And racism is a very heavy topic that we can't just stay on the surface because that's what we've done. And as long as we stay on the surface, the out pour of hatred and hurt is going to grow tremendously because the world is going to find itself at a point of reacting very irrational out of hurt and frustration. And when you get a lot of hurt people acting out, it literally will become hell on earth. The positive that I see in that, though, is there's so many people who this time around, I believe, are like, we acknowledge that there's an issue. We own it. We see it. We want to be a part of the true change for racism. And that is people of color. That is black people. That is white people. Um, there are so many people invested now in my short 30-something-odd years on earth than I have ever seen or um, in many ways, I believe, ever, ever on earth um, for over the past 400 years of racism. And I think it's because relationships are changing. Our communities are being forced against many laws that were put in place years ago and some places still may have them. But our community has been forced to do life together, whether we like it or not. Um, and we are finding ourselves really caring for each other. I think the world and the media and certain political groups want us to believe that everyone just hates everyone. And it's only getting worse and it's only getting dangerous. And I say probably in your neighborhood or on your news feed, because that's what the algorithm posts for you. Um, but for me. I don't believe that. I'm actually seeing more healing. I'm actually seeing more transparency. I'm actually seeing dreams from my ancestors become realities. It doesn't mean that the, the struggle isn't hard and um, heavy and tiresome. Um, I feel like the struggle is real in that sense. But I have hope because I am seeing people speak up who are influential in their community. In closing, I just want to say thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to the cycle breaking podcast. Um, I'm excited for this journey and I don't want to, nor can I do it alone. So any feedback and any opportunity that you have to connect, please don't hesitate to reach out. You can find me on Facebook, on Instagram, YouTube as well. Let's join together and break every cycle that we can that is keeping us from loving each other well you guys have a great day it's gonna take more than the